Hello, friends. I want to say welcome to Vernonia Church and our online teaching time. And by the way, Merry Christmas! I'm so excited to be here with you this morning. It's been a couple of weeks. Our youth pastor Chad's preached the last two weeks, and he began this teaching series called God's Voice in His Son. And I'm going to share with you a teaching in just a moment where we're going to dive in and we're going to talk about Jesus, the heir of all things. And it's going to be a great day. I can't wait to dive into this teaching with you. Before I do, I want to encourage you, uh, please, if these, uh, if, if these teachings have been helping you out, uh, I, would, I would like to ask that you would like and subscribe, maybe hit sub notification bell to let you know when new messages come out. And, uh, and, and if you have prayer requests or ways that we could be praying for you and be a blessing you, be sure to fill out that connection card. There's a link below that you can hit that will let, let you let us know how we can be praying for you. Uh, and, and that said, I want to invite you to pray with me. Today, it's all about Jesus, the heir of all things. And we're going to really get to know him and what that means about him. And as we celebrate Christmas, we think about the coming of Christmas. We prepare our hearts for the coming of Christmas. Uh, let's think about how Jesus is the heir of all. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we come before you this morning and we thank you that you sent Christ into our lives. We thank you that you speak to us through Jesus the Son. And God, we pray that you will open our minds and our hearts to what it means to hear from you the voice of our Heavenly Father who created us, who made us, who comes into our world for so many reasons, but one of them is so that you can invite us into your kingdom. God, I pray that you will help us to understand what it means to know you as our king. Pray that we will receive you, that we will bow and worship you. We pray that you will, you will help us as we prepare our hearts to celebrate the coming of Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said together, amen. Well, let's dive into our teaching. This morning, we're going to talk about uh, God's voice in His Son. I, I love this time of year, Christmas. It's a time where we celebrate and we focus on and we think about the coming of Christ into our world. And there's all kinds of stories that we could dive into as we talk about the coming of Christ. There's one that often is told that uh, it's a part of the story that we see in most nativities. It's a part of the story that that's told in a lot of kids' plays at Christian schools. You know, it's a story of these wise kings, these, these wise magi kings from the East who, who have a revelation from God that his chosen son has been born. And these kings are led by a star to find Jesus. When they find Jesus, they come to the home where Mary is with the baby and they worship him. They give him gifts. These gifts are significant gifts. They, I noticed that when you read the scriptures about it, it doesn't say they just handed him like a handful, like what you see in place. They handed him treasure chests filled with these things. And these things were meant to be images or pictures of a gift to a king. 
One of the kings brought treasure chests filled with gold. And gold, it's a, it's a, a priceless, uh, it's, it's a, or, or sorry, it's a valuable, it's a, it's a rare metal that's used as a picture of beauty. It's used as a picture of value. It's used as a gift for royalty. And so this kings laid down this gold before Jesus as a baby, and they bowed down and they worshipped him as a king, and they gave him a gift that was fitting because Jesus too is beautiful and valuable, and Jesus too is rare, and and Jesus is, well, he's a king worthy of gold. And then one of the other gifts that was brought was a, well, it was a fragrant spice called myrrh. And it was often used as a, as a valuable spice in perfumes, to make valuable perfumes. And it, it gave off this, this beautiful fragrance. And, and it was a, a spice that was considered valuable. It was a spice that was considered rare and a spice that was considered uh, beautiful. And, and so again, a, a fitting gift for a king. One thing interesting about myrrh is that some may think that this just a little bit was foreshadowing into Jesus' future because it was also a spice that was used in, in burial. And maybe there was a picture at the very beginning of the death of Christ as he came. But but before that picture of that, uh, before the, the symbolism of that shows up, is meant to be a gift from a king to a king. A gift fitting for a king. There was another uh, spice that was given. It was frankincense. And again, it's a, a rare and valuable fragrant spice that was used in, in perfumes. And, and again, it's a picture of value and beauty and a picture of, of a gift fitting for a king. I came across a story about some kids that were doing a, a play, you know, like they do often at a lot of schools. This play was a, it was a, it was a Christmas play. And these three boys had the job of being kings that were bringing these gifts. Well, they all did a pretty good job. The first king came up to the baby Jesus. He held out his hands with a pretend gift in his hands. And, and he said, I bring you gold. And, and he gives it to the baby Jesus and and then the next uh, the next king comes by and and he's got the pretend uh, spices in his hands and he holds it out and he says I bring you myrrh and uh, the third boy a little confused about the gift he was supposed to bring he walks up to the baby Jesus holds out his hands and he says here Frank set this <laughs> Well, well, this whole picture of 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 Jesus being worshipped by these ancient kings was a picture that the author Matthew shares with us in his gospel when he shares with us the story of Jesus coming. And one of the reasons I think Jesus shares this story early on in the gospel is not only because it happened, but because he's trying to show us that this child is a royal child, that this child is a kingly child receiving gifts fit for a king from kings. You see, Matthew, as he shares with us the story of Jesus, wants us to really know that Jesus is the heir to a throne. 
Now he begins by sharing with us that Jesus is the heir to the throne of David. I mean, Matthew begins his whole story of of the coming of Christ with a genealogy that basically traces Jesus' family line, family tree, to make Jesus sit on the throne of David. You see, it says that Jesus was a son of David, and then it goes through all his genealogy, just showing us that Jesus was the heir to this throne of David. Now, now there had been prophecy about this throne of David, that the one who was to come would sit on the throne of David, and his throne would be an eternal throne. It would never end, so it was kind of bigger than just something uh, human. You know, it was this uh, supernatural king that would sit on this throne forever and that that this this heir to the throne of David would have a, an eternal kingdom he would he would be a son of David Matthew also though will paint for us a picture that this is not just any king not just a son of David but he is the son of God heir to the throne of God throughout the story of Jesus' birth, we will see angels showing up and miracles happening and virgin births. We will see these announcements about Jesus from the heavenly realms. The angel would declare to Joseph when he tells him to name Jesus, Jesus, he says, name him Jesus, because that means he will save people from their sins. And then he says, and they're going to call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That this baby that's born is the presence of God himself. He is the the son of God. And, And Jesus is this Messiah who was to come. Jesus is the incarnation, which by the way, uh, the story of Christmas, if we lumped up the theology of the story of Christmas, we could call it the incarnation of Christ. An easy way to remember what that means is it means the incoming of God himself. The incarnation is the incoming of God himself into our world, becoming one of us so that he can save us and and bless us and and redeem us and and pull pull us to be with him in his eternal kingdom. And when the incarnation happened, the Son became God's primary voice to the world. We're in this series where we're sort of camping out for the Christmas season in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 2. And in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 2, we are told something special about this Christ child who would grow to be a man, who would have an earthly ministry, who would die on a cross and, and raise from the dead, ascend into heaven, and promise he's coming back. And here's what the Apostle Paul really wants us to know in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. One, that this is the Son of God, and that this is God's primary way to speak to the world today. In Hebrews 1, 1 to 2, it says this, In the past, God spoke through our forefathers, or to our forefathers, through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his Son, who he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. Now, the Apostle Paul wants us to really know that Jesus is the Son of God. And Paul wants it clear that Jesus is God's way to speak to us today. 
Now, in the past, we, we've kind of been in this series for two weeks now, and in the first message, uh, our, our youth pastor, Chad, shared with us that, that in the past, God spoke at many times and in various ways. He, he did all kinds of things. He spoke through prophets, spoke through dreams, spoke through visions, spoke through angels, spoke through burning bushes, and, and in each time he spoke, he revealed something about himself. Uh, and, and then last week, we saw, but in these last days, God speaks to us through his son. And throughout the earthly ministry of Jesus, whenever Jesus spoke, it was the words of God himself. Whenever Jesus taught, it was the teaching of God himself. And whatever God has to say to us today is going to be through Jesus and through the words of Jesus in the scriptures. Now, God really wanted it known during Jesus' ministry that he was speaking through him. And there were many times where the voice of the Father would show up and and declare that, well, that this was his voice. When Jesus was baptized, he came to the he came to John the Baptist to be baptized, and John the Baptist tried to say, oh no, I, I, I shouldn't baptize you. You should be the one baptizing me. God had revealed to John the Baptist who Jesus really was, and, and Jesus, and by the way, if, if, you ever, if you ever had any question about whether baptism was important, uh, Jesus' answer to John was pretty specific. Jesus said, no, you will baptize me. He said, because it is fitting for me to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Well, after he said that, John the Baptist consented and he baptized Jesus. And the the scriptures will describe how Jesus went down into the water as John baptized him. And and then Jesus came up out of the water as as John lifted him back up. And, And something miraculous happened at that moment. What happened was peals of thunder began and lightning began to strike and the Holy Spirit came down on him in the form of a dove and the clouds began to open up and a voice became began to thunder from the clouds and here's what it says in Matthew 7 3 17 it says a voice from heaven said this is my son who I love with him I am well pleased God wants us to know that he speaks to us through his son. This is my son. Listen to him. And, and there were all kinds of miraculous things sort of happening in that moment that don't usually happen in, in everybody else's baptism. I mean, this is something that should have stood out. Lightning was striking. Now, it's interesting because throughout the scriptures, lightning would be actually a symbol for something. Uh, lightning would be a, a symbol for God's powerful presence. Lightning would strike and it would say in the Psalms that when God's lightning lights up the sky, it it would, it would, the earth would see it and, and people would tremble and the scriptures will describe how his powerful presence, uh, sometimes even his, uh, his justice, it comes like lightning and, 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 and when, when, Moses went up on Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments. There was, there, was, there was a storm over the mountain. Lightning was striking and thunders were peeling. And, and God's presence was there. When the scriptures describe the way that 
Jesus sits on the throne. It describes how lightning strikes from the throne and there are peals of uh, rumblings of thunder that happen as he sits on that throne. When Jesus returns, the scripture describes lightning striking and it says that when he comes back, it will happen like a, a thief in the night. It will happen as quick as a strike of lightning. And here at Jesus' baptism, lightning is striking, and God is reminding us that his powerful presence is there in that moment. Well, there's another symbol there as at the baptism of Jesus. Another, another special event happens where this dove descends on him. Well, not actually a dove. In fact, it doesn't say that the Holy Spirit came on him as a dove. The Holy Spirit came on him looking like a dove. And what was the dove a symbol for? Well, well, the dove is a picture of God's purposes fulfilled, of God's purity and God's peaceful presence. So we have lightning striking, reminding us of the powerful presence that we have the Holy Spirit coming down like a dove, reminding us of God's peaceful presence and how he keeps his promises, which Jesus was all about. God keeping a promise to bring salvation and forgiveness. And we see this this symbol happening when when Noah w- w- had was on the boat and the waters were receding from the worldwide flood that God used to purify the whole world and the whole earth from all the sin of mankind at the time. The waters were receding and, and Noah sent out a dove and the dove returned with an olive branch in its mouth, a picture of God keeping his promise to save Noah and his family. A picture of God purifying the earth. A picture of peace as the waters receded. When the poor in the Old Testament couldn't afford a, a cow or a lamb, they would bring a dove to make offerings to God. A picture of God's purity, of God purifying a picture of making peace with God. The dove has always been a picture of that. And so here we have in Jesus' baptism, this moment where these amazing things are happening. And then God's voice says, this is my son. God wants us to know his voice is in his son. Can you imagine if some of these things happened when people were baptized or baptized today? Uh, I, I mean, we just had a baptism last Sunday before church services. And can you imagine if I, if, if, I, if I took that purse, I said, now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then I lift them up out of the water and lightning starts striking and thunder starts pealing. And God's voice says, this is now my child. Interestingly, just kind of on a little side note or some thoughts for later, even though visually we aren't seeing those things happen, the Bible will teach us that when we respond to our faith and baptism and, and when we respond to Jesus and faith, that, well, behind the scenes, some of these things are happening. In fact, the Peter would, uh, in Acts chapter 2, after he preached to some people who said they believed, they asked him what to do, and he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And, and even though when we respond to Jesus, we don't see a dove come down, we don't see lightning strike, what we do 
experience is the presence of God, the power of God in our life as he puts to death an old self and gives us new life and new hope and, and, and washes away our sin and washes away our guilt with his blood. We receive this gift of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and even though we can't see all those things, and even though we can't hear audibly, we're promised that because of our faith in Christ, we are now children of God too. Wow. Well, I just couldn't help myself by taking a moment and and just pausing there for a minute, but let's come back to Jesus' baptism. There's something special that was happening here. The reason it happened with Jesus and doesn't happen with all the rest of us, at least visually, is because God wants us all to know that Jesus is a special son and Jesus is his voice today. There was another time where God would interrupt what was happening and and let us know that that Jesus is his voice today. Uh, It was a time where Jesus went up a mountain with his three closest friends. He had gone up the mountain, invited them to come up and pray, and he had planned to reveal himself to them. When he went up the mountain with them, they got to a place and, and it says his, his face began to shine brightly. It says his clothes, they became white as lightning. Again, we see the powerful presence of God. And he transfigured himself. He revealed all of his glory to them. For the first time, these three guys got to see who Jesus really was. And in that moment, Moses, it says, appeared on the mountain with them. Moses representing the patriarchs who God at one time spoke through. Uh, Moses representing the first five books of the Bible, the law, uh, all that God had revealed through Moses, which hasn't changed, uh, but but Moses is standing there and Jesus is outshining Moses. Uh, He's more important, more significant. He's a loud voice from God. And then the prophet Isaiah shows up and he represents all of the prophets. And we have these two who represent all of the Old Testament uh, from, from the beginning to the end. The law and the prophets are standing there and Jesus' glory is outshining them. And God's voice once again through peals of thunder and lightning and bright as lightning, Jesus stands there in all of his glory. And God's voice comes from the cloud saying, saying, this is my son who I have chosen. Listen to what God's voice says. Listen to him. Listen to him. God wanted it clear. In these days, he speaks through his son. And Jesus taught that when he spoke, he was speaking the words of God. That when he spoke, he was speaking the very words of God. When they heard his voice during his earthly ministry, his voice was the voice of the Father himself. In fact, here's what he said in John 14, 10. The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. You see, when we celebrate Christmas, we're celebrating the coming of the power, the promises, the peace of God, the presence of God. Uh, 
coming into our world. When God declares in Hebrews chapter 1 that He is speaking through the Son, He's declaring that the Son is the highest. The Son is the fullest. The Son is the most complete way that God could reveal Himself to us. And unfortunately, not everyone wants to hear what God has to say. Not everyone wants to receive the Son. Because there's something that the Son represents. How could God speak only through one person? And if God is speaking through that one person, what does that mean for me? What if I don't want to hear the words of that one person? What if I don't want to agree with the words of that one person? What if I don't want to be subject to that one person? What if I want to live my life my own way? What if I want to do my own thing? Well, Jesus would tell a story one time during his ministry. He, he would tell a story, uh, and, he, and he would tell it to people who had sort of that attitude. They were people who were antagonizing him, people who were rejecting him. And, and so he told them this story. He said, listen, there was one time a man who built a vineyard. He built this beautiful vineyard that he loved, and he built a wall around the vineyard to protect it. And he put a tower up uh, from the vineyard where he could watch over all the vineyard and he could protect it and make sure it was protected. He basically fortified this vineyard. Then he built a wine press in the vineyard so that the vineyard had everything it needed to be a, a, a successful vineyard and to make wine. And uh, then this, this builder of the vineyard decided to go on a trip. He had, he had things to do, and he left the vineyard and rented it out to some farmers. Well, these farmers farmed the vineyard. They, they did their own thing with the vineyard. And when it came time for the harvest, well, the, the, the owner of the vineyard sent messengers back to get some of the harvest. And the farmers sent that messenger packing. They said, we don't want to give you anything. They weren't going to give him anything. They abused him a little bit and sent him on his way. Well, the farmer sent another servant to collect. And uh, again, the farmer said, no, we don't want anything to do with you. Go take a hike, you know. And they abused him. And the, the owner, the builder of the, of the vineyard kept sending servants. And by the way, if you didn't pick up on the stories, allegory, the idea is, is in the past, God spoke to the through the forefathers and the prophets at various times and many ways. And, and each one of the servants that were sent represent each one, of the, each one of the messages God sent in all his different forms. Each one of the messages that were sent through the likes of Moses or through the likes of Isaiah the prophet or Zechariah or Habakkuk or, or any of the prophets, all of the messages that God sent to people, they were rejected. Sometimes they were rejected and abused and even killed. Well, finally, the, the builder of the vineyard said, I know, I'll send my son. Surely they're not going to abuse him. And so the owner sends his son, and when the son shows up, there's something interesting that the farmers say. Here's what it says in Mark chapter 12, verses 6 to 7. 
It said he had one son to left, uh, left to send, this, this builder of the vineyard. He had one son, uh, or he had one left to send, a son who he loved. And he sent him last of all, saying, they will respect my son. But the tenants, the, the, the farmers, the renters, said to one another, this is the heir. Let's kill him. And the inheritance will be ours. And so they took him and they killed him and they threw him out of the vineyard. And here Jesus is saying not everyone wants to receive or listen to the voice of God, whether it's through prophets or through burning bushes or through um, uh, the, the law that was given on Mount Sinai. Not everyone wants to hear the voice of God. Not any, everyone wants to do what the creator God, the builder of all things, wants. And, and, and even not everyone wants to hear about the Son. Not everyone wants to hear about Christmas. Not everyone wants to celebrate Christmas, and I can understand why. Because a lot of us want to just take the inheritance for ourselves. We want to rule and reign over our own lives. We want to, we want to uh, do things our way, and we don't want God telling us anything. And, and yet the Son comes. You know, there was a fourth king, fourth category of king in the story of the magi kings that come and give gifts to Jesus. Not every king in the story wanted to bless Jesus or worship him as king. There was King Herod. And King Herod's response to hearing about angelic messages about a a king that's been born, the king of kings, the lord of lords, the savior, messiah king, King Herod's response was, that king's in my realm. And he sent his soldiers out to try to kill the king, to take his inheritance. And a lot of people today, I think, respond the way King Herod responded. A lot of people respond the way the people who crucified Jesus responded. A lot of people today respond like the farmers who say, you know what? I don't want this Christ child. I don't want to celebrate Christmas. Why would we celebrate the coming of the Son? But we realize that God's voice, God's voice comes through his son. And this son, Paul tells us in Hebrews 1-2, is the heir of all things. Did you pick up on what the farmers said that wanted to kill him? They said, this son is the heir. If we kill him, we can take it all. Well, they tried that. And he rose from the dead. He reigns. He is the son who is the heir of all things. And as the heir of all things, he, he takes all. The son judges all. The son conquers all. The son receives all. And by the way, he receives all who receive his kingdom. Paul wants us to know that this Christ child is the one through whom God speaks to all the world. And he's the heir of all things through whom he made the universe. And as the son, Jesus has the power and he comes with the promises fulfilled. And he brings the peace and the presence of God. And he is the heir of all that God is and all that God has when we celebrate this Christ child, we celebrate the coming 
of the heir of all. We celebrate royalty and an inheritance. You know, the world has sort of been a buzz right now because we've seen a prince become a king. The world's buzzing right now. The, the tabloids are writing and shows are coming out about princes and princesses. And, and uh, people are celebrating the new king in the United Kingdom. You know, uh, we just saw Prince Charles become the King Charles. And he's taken the throne of England. And, and as, the, as the king, he has received an inheritance. He was an heir to the throne. And now he's received the throne after his mother Elizabeth, who was 96, passed away. There was pomp and circumstance surrounding her funeral. And, and now the, the, the Prince Charles is King Charles. And as king, he has inherited an amazing inheritance. You can look it up and read about all the different articles that are written about how much he's inherited and what he's inherited. And, and let me just share with you a few things that uh, I read about this week as I was looking at what has, what has Charles inherited. Well, it's estimated that he has inherited about $500 million worth of estate and property and, and different things from his mother, Elizabeth. $500 million worth of things like palaces and homes and properties and, and $500 million worth of collections. I mean, special stamp collections, Fabergé egg collections, and, and art collections, including Monet's and, and famous artists and, and a jewelry collection. And, and wow, what, what an inheritance. But on top of that, sort of in a one of those, but wait, there's more moments. If you, if you continue to look at what he's inherited now that he has become king, well, he has inherited billions of dollars of estates and investments and assets. I mean, he's inherited palaces worth over $20 billion. And he's inherited uh, the priceless crown jewels that if you had to put a price to it would amount to billions and billions of dollars and he's inherited a billion dollar uh, investment portfolio and and that's billion with a b <laughs> he has inherited all kinds of stuff and along with that by the way just so he just so he doesn't miss out uh, he also inherited a yearly income of about one and a half million dollars uh, which amounts to a couple dollars from every person or a couple dollars for every person who who exists within the United Kingdom every year uh, so he's set <laughs> he, along with that, he inherited influence, and he inherited power, and he inherited this throne, and and that's not bad. I mean, for a lot of us, if we think of our inheritance, well, what do we get? Maybe a toaster. <laughs> what do we get? Well, m maybe a maybe a house that we're gonna have to sell to pay the rest of the mortgage on, and. Maybe there might be some left over. Oh, what do we inherit? Well, maybe if you're lucky enough, you'll inherit some 
some property or you'll inherit an estate or a trust from your family. And usually when we think of inheritance, we think of something someone has to die first for you to receive. And when we talk about Jesus being the heir of all things, we're not talking necessarily about someone dying first, although he's already died to receive the inheritance. And all the stuff that we might receive as an inheritance or all the stuff that King Charles might have received as an inheritance, all that stuff is nothing compared to what Jesus receives as the heir of all things. Jesus doesn't inherit billions of dollars worth of property, investments, billions of dollars worth of of land, because he's the heir to all things. It's actually all his anyways. Jesus doesn't Jesus doesn't receive anything that we might consider valuable. I said that wrong. Jesus doesn't need anything that we might consider valuable in what he receives because it's all his already. He is the heir to all things. And as the heir to all things, all things that are created in heaven and on earth, all things that are valuable in this world, They're already his. He's the heir to it all. And by the way, regardless of what we inherit, we don't get to take it with us anyways. Uh, But what he inherits, he keeps and it's his. In John 16, 15, it says this, all that belongs to the father is mine. Jesus wanted it to be clear. He is royalty. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the omnipotent God. He is the one who made everything and who has everything. All that belongs to the Father, he said, is mine. And included in his inheritance, well, he inherits all things material. Whether we need to think of all things earthly, all things on earth and in the heavens, all things in the sky, the stars, the expanse, the universe, it's all his. All the land, all the mountains, all the creatures, all the valuables, all the people, they're all his. And one day he folds up everything material in this world and he creates a brand new one and and all things material in that new heaven and new earth they're his he inherits all of it and included in his inheritance are all things ruled over all authorities all kingships all leaderships are under his reign and under his rule whether that is earthly rule or heavenly rule it's all under him he is the king of kings the lord of lords and he will reign as the ruler over god's kingdom and everything is under his rule there's a reason that jesus said as he preached in fact almost every time in jesus earthly ministry his his preaching was summarized, it was always summarized as this, repent for the kingdom of God is near. Why was it near? 
it was near because the king has come. He was right in front of them all along. He inherits all things ruled. He inherits all things supernatural. He inherits everything that's supernatural. The the throne of heaven is his. He sits on the throne over all the angels and cherubim and seraphim and all things heavenly that we still don't know much about, uh, but one day we will learn about. He will rule over everything because the throne of all things supernatural is his. When Stephen was martyred, he looked up and he said, look, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of the throne of God. In the book of Revelation, it describes how the Lamb who was slain sits on the throne and he rules over heaven and 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 how he has shed his blood and how now he sits on the throne and as this inheritance comes to him as the as the heir of all things we could basically say it this way that he inherits everything everywhere all things everywhere there's nothing in heaven nothing on earth nothing in the new heaven and earth to come that is not his the son inherits it all and the son has a voice And the Son wants to speak to you. And God's voice comes through Him to you and to me. And one day from His inherited throne, He will say, I will make all things new. I will drive out sin in the kingdom. I will punish wickedness and purify all in the kingdom. I will make all things new. There will be no more tears, no more pain, no more brokenness, no more hurt. There will only be goodness and the things of my Father. And the Son, as the heir of all things, says, I'll make it all new. And and no one will question who I am. Scripture tells us that At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. He's royalty. And now that you know who he is, God is saying to us, there's no one more more worth listening to. He's the heir of all things. And so listen to him, hear him, believe in him, trust in him, get to know him, read his word and hear from him, give your heart to him, trust him, worship him, trust your soul to him, honor him, celebrate him, praise him. Because he came to be God's voice in your ear and in your heart and in your mind. And here's part of what this son says to you and me. I I love this part. Of all the things Jesus taught, I mean, we we could read through all of his teachings. But he says to you and me, come and share in my inheritance. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if you got a call and uh, and on the other end of the line, 
if my wife were doing this, she would put an accent to it. I can't do an English accent. But imagine if on the other end of the line, the person said, this is King Charles. I'd like to invite you to come and share in my inheritance. You're welcome to come and stay at one of our palaces. Just choose a room. It's yours. You're welcome to travel around all our properties. You can hunt my properties, fish the rivers of my properties. You can enjoy yourself, uh, help yourself to the, the, the yearly income. There's nothing that if you wanted to buy it, you couldn't have. So make sure you get yourself some, some fancy suits. And, and if you ever want to, you can wear the crown. And, and every once in a while, you can take the crown jewels and wear them uh, at a party at one of our fancy parties you know and and if you want to ride our horses go ahead and ride our horses if, if you want to just do what you want come and share in my inheritance Can you imagine most of us wouldn't believe it if it happened and to be honest with you i don't know that i want to be a part of the tabloids of that family story but jesus says come and share in my inheritance. I'm the heir of all things. Come and share in my inheritance. God comes into the world. Jesus, God incarnate, the author of the Christmas story, he invites you saying, I have a gift for you. If you would believe in me, if you would receive what I have to give to you, come and share in my inheritance. Listen to what the word of the heir of all things says to those who believe in him and who receive his grace. In Galatians chapter 3, 26 to 27, it says, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. And, and so in the way that Jesus was a special son of God, he says, when you let me cover you, you too become an adopted, a special son, a child of God. Come and share in my inheritance. He offers you his status as daughter or a son of God because you put him on. And in James 2 verse 5, it says, Listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom promised those who love him? You and I might not have the inheritance of Prince Charles, but it don't matter. One day, Prince Charles will be food for worms, and he's not taking any of it with him. I, I recently heard a preacher say, I've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. <laughs> And that's true. No matter how rich or poor we are, we all die. We can't take any of it with us. But Jesus says, if you are a child of mine, if you are a, a, a believer in me, if you receive my grace, you receive the promise that you will be rich in faith and you will inherit the kingdom of God that I am an heir to. When the Apostle Paul is describing this sonship in Romans chapter 8, he had something special to say. That we become daughters and sons of God just like 
Christ was. And in Romans 8, 17, he says this. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may share in his glory. And the son is the heir of all. He says, if you follow me, I'll make you a co-heir with me. One of the reasons we celebrate Christmas is because God's voice comes in his son. But we also celebrate that this son is a king, the heir of all things, who invites us to come and share in his inheritance. And now that you know what he offers, what will you do? Will you believe? Will you receive? Will you worship him and praise him and celebrate him? What will you do? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you that you have spoken to us through Jesus. And God, we thank you for inviting us into something so great, so grand, so, so beyond us like the opportunity to be co-heirs with Christ and his kingdom. God, this is a position none of us deserve or have earned. Only Jesus has earned it. Only Jesus deserves it. And yet, he offers it through faith. And so we come before you declaring, God, we are sinners and need your grace and forgiveness. And we want to receive that grace and forgiveness and take a hold of this, this inheritance that you offer. God, I pray that you will bless each one who's joining us here this morning, that they will receive that inheritance. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said together. Amen. Well, once again, I want to say thank you for joining me as we have been diving into this Christmas series where we're talking about God's voice in His Son. I want to invite you to come back next week where we're going to dive into a teaching and we're going to think about how He is the one who created all things and that's who God wants to speak through. Wow, it's going to be a great Sunday next Sunday, so be sure to come back. Hey, before you go, I just want to say thank you to those of you who have been praying for the ministry of Vernonia Church, to those of you who've been praying for this ministry, this online teaching. I want to say thank you for your support. And I also want to say thank you to those of you who are giving financially to support what we're doing. You know, uh, right now we're in a time where we're where we're right in the middle of our Christmas offering. One of the things that we're doing together this year is we want to give a gift to Christ like the wise men who brought 
gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We want to bring an offering to Jesus and just to say to him, Jesus, we love you and we worship you. And so every year during the Christmas season, beginning after the the week after um, Thanksgiving, going to the last week in, in January, we have our Christmas offering and we use it to do different projects. This year, we're raising money to build a, a new kids park in the parking lot for the kids of this community and for the kids in our church and for the kids that are blessed by it every day. And uh, if you want to give to that, you can do that. There's a way to designate it. When you give, if you go to www.vernonia.church, you can hit the Give tab, or there's a link below you can hit, and uh, you can you can give to the Christmas offering that way. And if you decide to do that, I want to say thank you to those of you who are giving to the Christmas offering. On top of just building the kids' park that we're building, we're going to be uh, giving to OCEF, uh, Church Planters, which is a church planting organization here in Oregon that uh, that I I serve on and or I help I serve on the board of and uh, our church supports and we're also going to be giving to Rafa House Ministries, which is an overseas mission that helps rescue children from sex trafficking, and so it's all about kids uh, again this year as we celebrate Christmas and the gifts that we're giving, and so uh, want to say thank you to those of you who are giving to that, and to those of you who are giving to the ministry of Vernonia Church. Uh, I'd like to invite you to pray with me for the ministry of this uh, church and for the ministry of of our online teaching. Let's pray that God will use it to, uh, well, to to further his kingdom. Let's pray. Father, uh, we want to pray that you will bless Vernonia Church that you will help our church to continue to lead people to making first-time decisions for Christ so that they could experience the inheritance that you offer. We want to pray that you will continue to help us to lead people in baptism so that they can put away an old life and take a hold of a new one, uh, which is what it's a picture of. I pray that you will help us to continue to teach the word of God, so that people can hear your voice. We pray, Father, that Jesus' influence will spread in this community of Vernonia. And we also pray that Jesus' influence will spread through the work we're doing in our online teaching time. God, we thank you for being a part of this church and what, what what's happening. We thank you for for making a difference through it. And we pray that you will continue to do that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said together, amen. Well, let's declare it's been a great day together. On the count of three, I'm just going to declare it's been a great day, and I might throw in a Merry Christmas. Are you ready? One, two, three. It's been a great day. And Merry Christmas. I hope you have a Merry Christmas. We'll see you next Sunday. Mm -hmm.